Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry, and it's football mailbag time in the Bluegrass State. Derek, and that's almost football time in the Bluegrass State. Very close. We're at 16 days as we record this, I think. Yeah, 16 days. Uh, Last scrimmage will be on Saturday, and then school starts, camp's over. And they're going to start game planning and, and getting ready for the season. Yep. And it is right around the corner. We got to watch practice this week, and now we're going to talk about some things that we saw during that. I put out the, the mailbag question, I think, after we wrap that up later that evening. But we're going to start off with a question that's it's a lot. It's a, it's a good question. It's going to make us really think. It comes from Ben. Ben's all the time sending in good questions. It's going to have basketball included in this one. What is there a better chance of? UK men's basketball going to the final four or UK football going 10 and two. Now, Derek, I got to think history here. What has happened more times in Kentucky's history? Kentucky basketball has gone to the final four more often than Kentucky football has won 10 games in the regular season. Now they got 10 wins with a bowl game a few years ago, but when you look at this schedule, if everything goes as planned, you could see them push for that. Yeah, I mean, this is a hard question, I think, um, because I'm not sure there's a great chance that either happens. But to play along, um, I would have to go. Like, I I think your argument is probably the way I would go. I would say Cal's been to the Final Four numerous times. Um, Stoops has got the 10 wins, uh, like you mentioned. But it it seems – man, I think a lot will have to break right for both of them, but I think it's probably more likely that – that men's basketball ends up in the final four. I mean, you, UK football, I mean, there's a slim margin of error for both, when, especially in basketball. Once you get to the tournament, you know, you can't have a bad night, or if you do have a bad night, you better find a way to overcome it. Whereas UK football, I don't think talent-wise they're better than 10 out of the 12 teams on their schedule. So I think their margin for error is, is much slimmer. Um, and besides, I've been picking them pretty consistently to be eight and four. So I don't know how likely it is that they win 10. But I like the question – I bet you will find people who think differently than me and will make the argument that UK is more likely to go 10-2 and two in football. Well, here's, here's my thought on it. You have to have a very good regular season on only one of these. Yeah, you can get true. to a Final Four and have an average regular season. 10-2 and two is your regular season. So right. you can't struggle your way through it. So I would lean – I would lean Kentucky basketball because you can obviously – it comes down to a draw and what your path is through the NCAA tournament. We've seen teams benefit from a lighter region, so you don't really know. I think there's a lot of different outcomes that could play into that. That's why I think that there's a greater chance of that happening. But 10-2, and two, Derek, I'm not going to say it's impossible because I think this team wins nine. I've, I've got them going nine and three, pushing 10-2, and two, and here's where it's going to come down to it. We're going to do our season preview probably next week. I've got them second in the East. I like them to win 10, but I just feel like history is going to get them at some point and they're going to lose a game that they shouldn't. And I can't even tell you who it is because I really don't know. Like there's like a group of three or four teams on the schedule that I look at that I think that they're going to lose one to. And I don't really know which one it is when it comes to football. I think I've definitely taken a – I don't want to call it a more conservative approach because I don't think picking Kentucky football to win eight games in the preseason is is being on the conservative end. I think that would be more like picking six wins, which 
I think Stoops has shown they're typically going to win more than six um, in a season. But I, I just see too many question marks for me in the preseason to say, yeah, they're going to – they got a great chance to win 10. Like, I, like, like I'm with you. I don't think it's impossible. I'm not going to be flat out just – can't believe that Kentucky had such a great season that they won 10 games. Like, I don't think I'll be that way if they do get there. Um, I'll just have to say, hey, the questions we had in the preseason, they nailed all these. Like, everything that they needed to be really good at, they were able to do. And that led to such a great season. So, I'm going to stick with my down the middle, say they're going to beat the teams they should beat and possibly have a chance to beat some of the ones that maybe they're slightly not as good as. Like, in my opinion, probably Florida is, is a big one. That's the safest pick. Eight and four this year, I think, is a safe pick. I, I, I feel good about them getting it's there. They picked Harry. That's what they called me. All yeah. time. <laughs> and then Kevin asked, and this is the question we all have. Uh, we're going to have it, I think, probably until a couple games in. After Wandell and Ali, who rounds out the top five in receptions for this season? I feel like McLean is a dark horse candidate to finish up there. That's a good That's a good pick. If, if Jatosh McLean's healthy. The way that they're going to use him, Derek, I think he could break into that top five. A guy that I'm going to throw out there, though, is if he stays healthy, is Isaiah Epps. I think Epps could end up becoming a one of those guys where Ali and Wandell get a lot of attention. I would love to see Isaiah Epps become like a third-down guy that they just throw the ball to. We saw him go up and make some catches there day in practice. If he can stay healthy. Only bad thing about this question is who it comes from. I'm checking out Kevin's profile here. I see he's a Cubs fan. A little salty <laughs> after uh, the Cubs inexplicably. They've already quit this season. They just took two out of three from the Reds. But, uh, no, I think it's a good question from Kevin. Um, who rounds at the top five? I like the McLean pick because I, I was talking with uh, Adam Lockett from 11 Personnel KSR. And he kind of – he had an idea that – or at least a thought that I kind of liked, that maybe you wouldn't see McLean as much in, you know, running the ball as much as you do see him in that kind of situation where he catches a lot of passes. Like maybe he's not really the guy that just is an every, day, an every down back. And if that's the case, I could definitely see him getting more receptions. Um, Cummings is tricky to me because I think with the way they've talked about him – you know, you, you probably don't see him being a starter, not with – I mean, I think I think Matt Merrill's going to show some loyalty and, and let Justin Rigg, who's in his sixth year and been around a long time, he's been a starter for many years. Uh, I think he's definitely going to start and have his fair share of balls thrown his way, but I kind of wonder if Cummings, if he lives up to kind of what they've built him to be in the preseason, I, I almost wonder if it will just be too hard to keep off the field. Yeah. And if that happens, with how heavily involved tight ends are, Mm-hmm. I would almost want to put him in there as that. But I'm kind of with you on Epps, but I'm just not sure, man. I just don't think he's really shown enough to – well, hell, none of these guys have, honestly. I mean, anyone you throw up – you can make a case for anybody. Hell, you can make a case for Sean Lewis. <laughs> he's only in the top five well, at this point. You could from what we've seen, right? Yeah. Well, so. From what we've seen in practice, he's top five. <laughs> like, and he's he looks like a guy who's changed his number, Derek. He, he's got a yes. wide receiver number now. He, he's a guy that looks like he might play a lot more than what we thought. Like, that's a guy we weren't even talking about when we went into fall camp. And he's like, we talk about these storylines all the time. Who's the guy that's emerging in fall camp? Well, you've got Trevin Wallace on the defensive side, a name that's really emerging. You've got – it seems like Lewis is a name that's been thrown out there quite often during interviews. But that's the, that's the question. But I like your pick. 
I like that the way the tight ends are used, especially in Liam Cohen's offense and things, I, I could see Cummings being that guy, especially as athletic as he is. And it's a, and I guess it's a the, from the other tight ends. Yeah, he's he's much different. I, I guess to answer Kevin's question, top five as of August 19th, I'll say Wondell, Ali, McLean, Cummings, and I'm going to say Chauncey Magwood just because I think he's going to play a ton. Liam Cohen says he knows all the positions. I think that's a lot to put on a true freshman. I don't even know the last time that a true freshman wide receiver was probably what, like Garrett Johnson, someone like that, or maybe Dorian Baker, someone like that who was, you know, near the top of the team in receptions. But I think, you know, with Tekel Crowdis likely not going to be back to start the year, uh, and just from what we've seen of Magwood, how much he's been used. I mean, he was getting first-team run the other day too. I, I kind of feel like – I just got a suspicion that I think he's going to end up being a pretty big part of this offense. Derek's got his suspicions. I do. <laughs> Let's see here. Brandon has a question. This is a good question. And if this comes true, then, boy, my childhood is all over the U.K. sidelines at some point. <laughs> you think one day we will see Wesley Woodyard as U.K.'s linebacker coach and Randall Cobb as U.K.'s wide receiver coach? Derek, man, how much fun would that be if both those two guys came back home? I, I do think that there's a chance – from Wesley Woodyard's comments recently, he's going to be coaching at Kentucky at some point, in my opinion, in some capacity. Well, think about this. I'm just going to throw a scenario, and I don't know that Kentucky would do this. John Summerall and Wesley Woodyard were teammates, correct? They were. So there's a time that I think we all envision Brad White will, will be off to do bigger. Well, I'll say bigger. I mean, I – I think Brad White's future is just so bright that, you know, you, you just cherish the time that he's going to have here at Kentucky because I think he's a rising star, and, and it's more likely than not he's going to be head coach somewhere pretty soon. John Summerall's already been given a co-defensive coordinator title. I think we all see the writing on the wall that as long as he hangs around, he's going to be UK's next defensive coordinator. Well, you've already got the connection. Those guys are teammates. Wesley Woodyard played a long time uh, in the NFL. Uh, I, I just I, – I could kind of see it, potentially. But you are talking about a guy who's never been a coach at the college level, and he would have a, a very big recruiting role there. I think he would be a great recruiter, just giving uh, his story and his his charisma around him. Like, I definitely see that being more of a of a potential scenario than Cobb. The thing about Cobb is obviously he's still playing, first of all. Yeah. And two, if he like with Woodyard, he's actually expressed like an interest in coaching. I don't know that Cobb has. He wants to be the head coach at Kentucky. Yeah, so like I think Wesley, I mean, and and you know he's he's given the team. I think he knows Stoops very well. He's talked to the team before in Nashville when he was playing for the Titans. Like uh, that to me is not outlandish at all. It's not. Sooner rather than later. Now that he's not playing and stuff, and you've seen him in Lexington quite a bit as well. Like I remember him walking in uh, during the catwalk with them one one game. So yeah, I, I do think that that he will be in in some role at UK in the near future. They've, they've done a really good job too, Derek, of bringing back their alumni and things. Even the guys that didn't play for Stoops. I mean, they're littered all over the place right now in Lexington that still have connections and ties to the program. Uh, so I think that that's for sure going to be something. Jonathan has a question about – go ahead. Sorry. Cobbs, I don't know how much money Woodyard made in his career. I, I always wonder about the motivation for some of these guys because, like, a coaching life is not – I would say, like – especially as assistants at Grindley is not a glamorous life Mm-mm. early on in your coaching career. A guy with the name like Woodyard or, or Cobb, I mean, you have instant credibility. You probably don't have to grind the way that these other guys do. 
Um, but Cobb, I know he's made a lot of money in his career. And I just wonder if, like, to me, you got to have some drive to want to do that. Yeah. Uh, and I just wonder if, you know, he'll be settled financially where he doesn't really feel a need to, to you know, jump right into coaching. And I don't know how long Woodyard's well, been retired now. It's been a few years. Uh, I'm right. sure he made a lot, too. He played a long time in the NFL. And you got to think, too, what is, you know, what does Randall do? To, is it college if he decides to coach? Does he go back to his hometown yeah. and decide to do something in, in Alcoa? I, I don't know. It's a cool question. It's a cool. Those are two. Plot. Those are two legends for sure. They are. Those yeah, are two guys that they're pillars to the success of this program and the good days, uh, the good days before we even knew what good days were. Eric, like those, <laughs> like those days were really good compared to what it was when I first started following Kentucky football. But moving on to the next question, Jonathan has a question about the coaches. Could you give a summary of new coaches' strengths and weaknesses and how you feel they are doing? What do you think, Derek? The staff has quite a few. There are quite a few. Um, where should we start? You want to start with Cohen? Yeah, we'll I think big one. I think Cohen. Uh, what stands out to to you right away is just how smart he is. I think everything I've heard, either behind the scenes or on the record, I mean, I've nothing but positive things about how smart he is, how well he communicates. I think that's a really big thing when you're installing a new offense. He's been able to just be really tight. And I think too, a, a thing that I, I'm not sure how much we saw it with Eddie Grant or Neil Brown, maybe going back to Neil Brown. I don't think we saw it too much with Shannon Dawson. Like I think the connection between Will Levis and Liam Cohen is like going to be a really big deal. Um, I, I think those two are going to be very close and we'll be able to work with each other very well. You've already seen some comments on the, the behind the Kentucky football podcast with Curtis Birch. Um, him talking about how he already feels closer to Kentucky staff. And this was before fall camp even started than he did at any time at Penn State. Um, but the thing about offensive coordinators is pretty much everybody hates them. <laughs> uh, once they get going, uh, they're, they're not very popular um, once they actually start calling points. So we'll see how well he does. John Settle, I mean, I think you got to love the experience. Um, and he's also – uh, you know, he it sounded like he was the one who was really behind that move to get Michael Drennan back to running back. So I think there's definitely a level of respect already for what his opinion is. So that's a good thing. Um, who else is there, Sean? Uh, Eric Wolford. Yeah. Definitely much different than John Schlarman from what I can tell. Uh, doesn't mean that's bad. But, uh, you know, he's he is someone who is a long – career as, as being a very good assistant and he was a head coach so as a youngstown state but he's a head coach for a number of years um you don't doubt i don't doubt any of these coaches ability i'll say that like i think they all are more than capable of the positions that they're in wolford i think will, will be a good assistant for uk it's just going to be a little different and for him too i wonder when they get out of the days of guys who are coached by schlarman how things might be a little bit different because well you know go ahead well all I was going to add and say was that I think he has the most difficult spot to, to walk into just yeah. because of – and the thing that's really good too, Derek, is he he references John a lot. And he didn't try to reinvent the wheel when he came in. You know, he a lot of the, the foundation to be successful on that offensive line has been there because of John Schlarman. But I feel like that here's, here's Darian Kennard and Luke Fortner, these guys, and all, all these guys, really, that built these relationships with Schlarman. And I just think that it's difficult to come into under the circumstances that you're coming into and, you know, getting those guys to trust you and 
and things like that. But I feel like that his energy and effort in that practice the other day and stuff is something that those guys are, that's going to be a nasty group because he, he's really, really rough on those guys. Attention to detail, Jagger Burton, one of them that we talked about the other day. Uh, I think that the offensive line, the foundation that John Schlarman put in place, Eric Wolford to me is going to continue to take that thing and move it the direction that it's been trending for the last five or six years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, he's very aware. I mean, I'll say that. I think they're all very aware of the situation they stepped into. And I do think there's a fine line with guys who are coached by Schlarman. I mean, there's going to be, I think, just some emotional ties. And, I mean, it, it was not a situation that anybody wanted. Uh, obviously, it's not a situation anybody wanted. Uh, and I think Wolford, I agree with you. I do think he has the toughest job. He has the toughest job from uh, in terms of handling his business first. I mean, he's got a a good job because he's got great players to to coach up. But there is a little bit – it's a little bit more this year, though, than just he coaching football. You know, the, there's other aspects. There is. The thing that's going to help him, though, is I, I think that that group – not only do you have good football players too, Derek, you got good people. Luke yeah. Fortner Luke Fortner's one of the best. You know, that's a – and then Darren Kennard's a future pro. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got guys that have aspirations of being professionals, and I just think that that's going to make that transition easier. And I think you already see the level of respect that they have for for Wolford and stuff going through that spring and and things with him. But the way that he coached them was really yeah, fun to watch. It was. I think Chris Collins is the only guy on defense, right? Replaced Link Scott. I think he's yes. the only one. I'll be totally honest. I'm not. I don't think I've talked to Collins yet at a practice. I can't remember if he was even out there the other day or not. If he was, I didn't get a chance to speak with him. I think he was out there. Um, there was but, one on. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to miss something. Uh, no, but Collins, I mean, he, he's the one that I could see him blossoming into a great assistant for UK, but he he's the guy who, I mean, this is his first go around at a power five program. And I, I think he would be, you know, a little unrealistic to not expect that there would be a little bit of a transition there. I mean, he's he was successful at his level at Georgia State, but you're talking about a little bit higher stakes in the SEC. Yes, it opens up a new talent pool for you to recruit from, um, but, you know, he's probably not spent much time recruiting against uh, – I won't even throw out the big dogs. I mean, yes, UK does recruit against Georgia occasionally and, and Florida and other teams. But I'm talking more like the Tennessees, South Carolinas, you know, that kind of, kind of level of player like – he'll be competing against those schools for the first time. So I like his future a lot. I like his story. I think it's uh, the kind of hire that uh, you, a lot of people I think wanted a more experienced guy 
to replace Steven Klingscale, which I understand someone who's a little bit more proven in their in the recruiting shops, but I kind of I kind of like these guys who are, are eager for an opportunity to to prove themselves on a big stage. And I think that will be a hire that turns out to be one that, you know, very few hires that Stoops has made. You just looked at and say, man, what, what the hell were they doing here? Like there are a few, like Shannon Dawson was one. Um, <laughs> you can almost say that about all the wide receivers coaches they've had. I mean, ain't, ain't none of them panned out. But uh, defensively, for the most part, he's done a very good job hiring coaches. Yep. And Ben has a question here. He sent one in about Gatewood. This is before the announcement was made by Mark Stoops Sunday that Gatewood would transfer. So then he followed up and said, who are your guys on offense and defense that have to really stand out for UK to get to that nine or 10 win mark that a lot of people dream about, Derek? And obviously Levis starts at the top on offense. Quarterback play has to be improved. Then you look at the wide receiver position. I think we know the most about Chris Rodriguez. I think we have the most confidence in him being who he's been. But I think a lot of it depends on quarterback and who emerges at wide receiver. I think it's definitely going to be Levis, no doubt. Um, after Maybe. watching practice the yeah. other day, I feel – It's in defense, too, I should say. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. After watching practice the other day, when Wondell Robinson went out, that was a little scary, I think, <laughs> to be honest. Like, keeping him healthy is going to be a very, very big deal because there is a drop-off for sure when Wandell isn't out there. So those two, I think are going to be huge. Um, defensively, who needs to be really good? I'd say Pascal's a big one, I think. Um, Cause you saw what he was before he got hurt last year. I mean, he was trending towards, I think being an all-SEC type player. And I'm just not so sure that their depth is there yet behind him. I don't, I don't, I think that Brad White today in his press conference talked about how some positions you can roll bodies. And he did mention the defensive line as one of those positions that, you know, that he does feel good about the depth, but that's a pretty dramatic drop, I would say, in Josh Pascal and whoever else they throw out there this upcoming year. So he's a big one. Um, I mean, really, you could pick any starter. I mean, any starter that it, – it's hard. I guess it's more saying it's hard for me to just pick one guy on defense to say this guy has to be great for them to be good because I, I think all of them are going to have to play really well. You could, you could look at Yusuf Corker. DeAndre Square, Marquand McCall, I mean, a number of guys. Um, so, I've had to just pick one. To me, when I look at that depth chart, I see a bigger drop-off behind Josh Pascal than I do the other guys. I think they have enough guys at other positions that they can make it work and continue to play well. Like, if something happened to DeAndre Square, which obviously none of us hope does, like you have potentially Jacquez Jones, Trevin Wallace, Martez Thrower, Jared K. Like you have a number of guys who – I think they would feel comfortable with. And I'm just not so sure that, that they're to that point behind Josh Pascal. Yeah, I agree with that. Good breakdown of that. Uh, Nick says, how will the wide receiver position break down? With Ali and Wandale being slot guys, does that mean Crowdis will be an outside X wide receiver? How do you think that will all break down within the offense with the likelihood of Cohen running with two tight ends a lot? Um, we're talking about Crowdis. He's yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, this was sent in Friday night, by the way. So before we really got the news that he, the official good news. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious if he was, how they were going to plan to go with that two tight end set. Obviously, you'd only need two wide receivers at that point. 
Um, as of now, it looks like Epps is going to be that guy when they do use three wide receivers. So I'm kind of wondering where Crowdis would have fallen in line there. I think he was definitely going to play, um, especially after watching them play the other day. They could definitely use his speed. So I don't know. I, the guy I'm really curious about, and I don't even know where I would put him, and I would say fairly low, honestly, at this point in terms of the guys who are going to play. But, like, I just keep coming back to Chris Lewis, man. Like, I, it might be too early, but I also just see him as, like, an ultra-productive guy when he does play. That he, he, he probably fascinates me more than anybody on the offense in turn, especially if they play early in the year and they don't get a ton of production out of some of those other receivers. And maybe they, they're more willing to throw him out there. I would lean towards the best-case scenario maybe being that he can play here and there, but he can save his red shirt and then start next year. I think Lewis will be a big part. Chris Lewis, that is. We kind of got to specify now yeah. with Rashawn. But I think Chris Lewis – we do. I can already tell you he's probably going to be like my breakout guy for next season, unless he just surpasses all my expectations from this year and, and solidifies himself. But I'll lean right now towards thinking physically he might not quite be ready yet to have a huge impact this year. I just want to acknowledge this question too, even though it's already been answered pretty much. But Colt, it was Colt's first time in the mailbag. He said, just uh, what are the odds that Joey Gatewood stays in the transfer portal and what are the likely landing spots if so? Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, he it looks like he's staying in the portal. UCF, Gus Malzahn, that connection has emerged as the likely landing spot, Derek. So I just wanted to reference uh, Colt's question and make sure that he knows that we were doing our best to get to it. And then I think we're ready to wrap up here with uh, one final question, and it's going to be from Brian. I sh- shouldn't have saved – sorry for pushing it to the end, Brian, but this is baseball. Eric, before we do that, I want to he ask any plans for a volleyball season preview. Yes. Hunter Mitchell, who is now a part of my outlet, Go Big Blue Country, is going to be the volleyball beat writer, staff photographer, doing some other things. For me, I'm going to have him on Kentucky Daily to kind of preview the season at some point, Derek. Uh, the league, uh, Kentucky's picked to win the SEC again this year. So I'm going to get Hunter's thoughts on that. But here's a mailbag question for you. Thoughts on the transfers and where UK stands now? When will fall workouts begin? And any news on fall scrimmages? Uh, on the last question, yes. I'm not sure if I'm even supposed to say anything, so I won't say the opponents. But yes, there are two. They're scheduled to play two teams, and I guess I'll let UK announce that whenever they feel like. But I will say also this: they are on non-home game weekends for football. If that makes sense. UK football will be on the road both those weekends that Kentucky baseball plans to scrimmage. Um, and I'm sure it won't be much longer before UK sends that out. It's not till the end of September, the first one. Um, as far as your other questions, with the transfers, I, I think it gives them a chance. I'll, I'll keep saying it. With the position transfers, I like the guys they brought in. I like the experience. But it is, you know, there, there, there will be question marks. When you bring guys in from lower levels, how they will fare against SEC pitching. I mean, it's a gamble. I think it's a little less of a gamble than, you know, having to count on a bunch of young high schoolers next year for sure. I mean, these are at least people who have seen at different parts of their careers. They've seen good pitching. You think about a guy like Daniel Harris from EKU, who, in my opinion, will probably be their second baseman. You know, he was a three-hole hitter at EKU. My guess is he probably hits near the bottom of the order at Kentucky. So, I think a guy – like that, who's hit some home runs in his career. He's driven in runs, gotten on base. I think that's a good addition. Defensive, I guess, to sum it up, defensively, I think they'll be improved. 
pitching wise, I think they'll be improved. I think a lot of their development on the pitching mound will, will, will determine how, how good they are and whether they're going to be able to get to a tournament this year. Cause I think they got a lot of arms. They got a lot of experience. They need a guy. I would say a guy like Ryan Hagen now, who was a major recruit. If he can step up and, and be that kind of guy who sits around 92 with, with some good off-speed stuff and makes that jump to being kind of the elite pitcher that people thought he would be, then I, I definitely think that will make it much, much easier. But until I see this offense in action, um, it's kind of hard to know how good they will be. But I, I don't see it. Tr- I would be surprised if there's a big drop-off from last year. They went 12-18 and 18 in the SEC. I think that with the pitching and defense alone, they should have a chance in a number of games. Um, I, I almost wonder, Sean, if it makes sense to kind of compare it to like, even with these guys they've added, they're not going to be as good as a Vanderbilt, Florida, you know, the elite teams in the SEC. They got to take care of business against the teams that are right around their level, though. And I would say the last few years, they've not quite done a good enough job doing that. And uh, they got to get back to that level. I, I don't know that you're going to see Kentucky baseball continue to kind of replace their whole team via the transfer portal. I don't think it's going to keep being that way. Uh, but I do, I would agree, though. For them to have success this year, and it is a very big year for Nick Mangione, I do think this is probably their best course of action is to have some guys come back and to add experience via the transfer portal. I like them positionally better next year. I think this past year, I know they had a really good fielding percentage or whatever that stat was that UK threw out there a lot. I'm just telling you, I watch a lot of baseball. When I watch that team play, it looked like they had a lot of guys out of place. And it's almost a miracle, in my opinion, that they had such a good fielding percentage because um, you had guys playing positions that they'd never played before. So this year, I think you'll have a more true defensive lineup with guys who are going to be more comfortable playing where they are. So I think they will have a very good defense, but you got to be able to score some runs. But my little league coach, well, basically any coach I had up through high school, I mean, they would preach pitching and defense. And I think they'll have that. So if you have that, you'll have a chance in a lot of games. But we shall see. I'm I'm more intrigued by UK baseball this year than I think I have been in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll be talking quite a bit about that. Thanks for the mailbag question. Thanks for all the mailbag questions on both of these episodes, basketball and football. We really appreciate it as we're moving towards football season here. Pretty soon, Derek, we'll be doing our post-game recaps, some uh, season previews. We're going to get into that next week. But Thank you all so much for continuing to listen to Kentucky Daily. Continue to subscribe. Continue to leave five-star reviews. We now have, I think, over 100 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please continue to do that. It keeps us moving up the charts. We greatly appreciate your support. We're on our way to another record-breaking month, Derek. That's something that you and I have talked about on this podcast. At what point does it slow down? It doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. With, with each month, we've gotten better, and it's because of our loyal listeners. And if you're new to this podcast, Stay locked in with us, and I promise you there's a lot more content coming your way here in future weeks. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.